Hello my friends, Nigel here and welcome to Backable. We've got a great show ahead this week with Tim being once again joined by co-host and COO of the Philodomo Group, Alana Harari, to talk sales during a pandemic and our responsibility as business owners in troubled economic times. We also dive into the role opinion plays in decision making, why you should welcome judgment and talk about that uniquely Australian characteristic of the tall poppy syndrome. Hope you enjoy. One of the challenges we have as business owners is, particularly in the early stages, is getting comfortable around growth and sales. And before you dismiss it, you have a think about the early days when you started your company and the challenges you had around you know, getting your first client, getting your 10th client, getting your 100th client. How do you reconcile when and what to sell? But particularly in an era, an economic era that we're into, we've got a bigger responsibility as business owners. We've got a responsibility now to generate as much economic activity as we possibly can. This responsibility has been thrust upon us all that we need to grow the biggest, baddest businesses that we can possibly aspire to because there's going to be a need in the economy for jobs, for activity and things to get us out of this economic downturn, many of which is the first one a lot of our listeners would have ever felt. Lana, Nigel, it's an important one because the way to grow an economy is to grow, is to sell, to keep building and particularly when everyone's saying, oh, it's going to be a slowdown. Well, we just can't accept that. One of Tim's favourite topics. Very much so because I think this is a time where the real business leaders stand up because they take a new responsibility and go, yeah, before I was growing my company because I love growing my company. I want to make a lot of money. I enjoy what I do. But now there is an added responsibility for those who choose to accept it, which is how do I help others by stimulating the economy and creating as much activity as possible? So I like the conditions, not that I want us to be in an economic downturn, but you know what? It's a new world and we've got to do what we can do. So let's begin with the most base level thing, which is everyone feels like sales and growth are going to be difficult during this economic downturn. And I think before we get into the practicalities of selling, we need to talk around the mindset of it's always a good day to sell. <laughs> is that, I'm sure there's a few people going just shaking their heads right now, <laughs> but it is, isn't it? I mean, it's, this, is the, this is the attitude you have to have. It is wartime right now in our economy. The things that were nice to do before are now the essential things. We must execute well. And it has been quite interesting hearing on the street people who say that they feel bad selling at this time. Almost they don't have a right to sell because everyone else is in pain. I guess this is a great topic for us to talk about around what is your responsibility to sell through such a difficult time. And we've spoken about that in other podcasts. Nigel, I think we've had a rant about that on one of the really early ones, which was (laughs) this whole idea of even feeling bad around sales is just really low level. You need to calibrate what you're doing as a business owner. You shouldn't feel bad about solving problems. People who have sales issues have not calibrated what sales is. Sales is solving someone's problem with your solution. Simple. But I think it's quite interesting because if you were to innovate and move your business from one style to another style, it's looked upon as being really smart that this business was able to pivot and be agile. But I think the businesses who probably didn't have to pivot and or be agile, they're the ones that possibly feel bad 
Not that they should, but that's probably the mindset of I've had it easy, so I probably shouldn't sell my wares. I want to pick up on something there because I think it's really important, which is the arrogance of thinking you can sell to someone, the absolute arrogance to think that you're the one in control of that, that you convince people to buy. A buyer has a problem and they're the ones that have decided that they need a solution. Us worried about, oh, should I sell in this environment? You know, I don't want to trick people. That is just the epitome of ego to think that you're the one convincing people to buy. I'm such a good salesperson. I can sell ice to the Eskimos. You're not. You've got a buyer there that wants a solution and it's your duty to help them find that solution. This is about how do I make sure I get to more people with the problem and how do I find different ways to get to the problem because they've still got a problem. Just because there's an economic downturn doesn't mean people still don't have a problem. So what you're saying is that if my product's good and people want it, it's my duty to sell it. Only if you want to run a company. I mean, if you Ah, don't, don't do that. Your job is to build a solution to a problem better than anyone else on this planet. And as soon as you've got that solution, you need to, in any condition, find the people that need it right now. When you take a backward step because, oh, you know, people are really struggling at the moment. I don't want to push my wares on them. Who are you to make that decision? And let me give you the nuance here because it's very important. We may need to change our messaging (laughs) and we need to adjust our value proposition. We need to adjust our messaging. We need to adjust all these things. But your job is still to get to people who need your solution. But if you're pulling back, you've got to ask yourself, why am I pulling back? Is that because I want to allow a competitor who's got a worse solution than me to get to this buyer? Are you actually not protecting the buyer from something of lower value because you want to play nice. I think we'd have to get into a very discussion around how we've been brought up and the lessons we have around money and sales. Because I think, to be honest with you, a lot of these ideas come from our socioeconomic backgrounds. I can't add value to this, not because I'm of a high socioeconomic status, but because one, I strongly believe in the products that the businesses I work in sell. So I believe it's my duty to do well by others. But I also am of the, I guess you'd call it the abundance mindset that there's always going to be money for good work and good things, which sometimes conflicts with Tim's opinion. I I think you have to be conservative around money and spending, particularly in economic downturns. You need to track it closer. You need to make sure you understand. But this is not a time to not spend. This is a time where the most opportunities will rear their head. What you should be doing now is looking at where the opportunity is. The great thing is From the general market, you see how many people straight away turn conservative as soon as they feel like there's a downturn. So they stop doing the things that were making them successful and then wonder why they're starting to have a decline and then they'll blame the economy. It's this cycle that we have to understand, but we have to first nip this idea in the bud. You should not ever feel bad about selling. Your job is to present your solution to a problem in the best possible way every single time and adjust according to the conditions in order to make that solution even better. And smaller businesses don't understand that. Is it the fact that they don't understand it or the fact that a lot of people are a little bit unclear of their value proposition in good times? So now when they're going out into environments where their opinion is that these are hard times, but they don't know how to then change their value proposition or massage it into a way that suits the person sitting in front of them in for now. I agree, Nigel. And I think if we're just talking about smaller businesses at the moment or people with unsophisticated sales strategies, because even some bigger businesses, 
they've been around for so long that they've naturally built up networks where they generate growth. But people stop doing the things that they should be doing to learn how their business should pivot. I've seen a whole bunch of people that were doing things and go, oh, now everyone's locked at home. We can't even talk to people anymore. So basically we're just going to hibernation. They're not facilitating it through digital channels. They're not ringing them on the phone. They're just doing nothing. They're not setting up networking groups online. They're not joining other groups online. So there's 20 things they could be doing, but they don't value that because, oh, no, it's not how we used to do it in the past. I'll just wait till the economy wakes up again. You're going to be waiting forever. I'm not excited about a downturn, but I also am excited because I know this weeds out a lot of people who haven't quite understood their role as a leader or as an entrepreneur. And I don't want anything bad to happen, but there are opportunities everywhere. And the way you work out how to pivot is by having more discussions around your product or service because you get that direct feedback and you can pivot and change and adjust. Whereas people who aren't even having conversations around transaction, they're just not evolving. So you get pushed to naturally evolve your value proposition based on the feedback you get from still doing the the sales process, still going out there trying to get more work. Who are you to stop? There's no business that should stop now, even the ones that can't actually transact because, for instance, your whole industry might be shut down at the moment. What are you doing to prepare for when it opens? What are the strategies in place? We know some friends that are restaurant owners. We know some friends that own travel agencies. They've been decimated by this experience, but they're prepared to go when the thing wakes up and they're starting to build infrastructure. So when it happens, they're ready to go again, but they haven't stopped selling. They might be nurturing groups, but it's still part of their plan and their process. Nobody should be doing nothing right now. The the flip side of this that I've experienced personally is we have one person that we work with. And it just so happened that not being able to go out meant that they were suddenly sought after by their ideal audience. So they've seen sales increase. And it's not that their product was bad before and is suddenly good. It's just that the opportunity that has come from the fact that people are now more open to online has seen this business who is a great business with great messaging and great product actually get the opportunity to increase their sales, to build their database, to generate their lists. And so if anyone's there saying, oh, I couldn't do it before, so why should I do it now? Because it's harder. Maybe you've actually got the opportunity now to do what you hadn't done before and see what happens. That's that hunger of still wanting to find a way. And this is where a lot of people are just falling off the pace. You actually have to want this more. And wanting's nice, but you have to take the want to continue and grow and work out I will do anything to get there. I am still going to ring people. I'm still going to prospect. You know, Lana, we've been working on some stuff for our companies and it's four or five things that we used to do and dabble in it that now we need to master because we know the world's changed. We go, great, these funnels that are probably not going to work in the next six months, we need to now generate leads doing this. Let's put more energy, effort and resource into fast tracking those ones. Why we didn't do it in the past? Because we were fine with the other funnels at the moment. It didn't require that just now. It was a really nice to have for us before. If we talk about sales, we had salespeople. It's nice economic times. Everyone's running down the beach going, oh, it's nice economic growth, 22 years in a row or 27 years in a row, particularly in our country. Everyone else got hit by the GFC. We we sidestepped it. We only got hit on the shoulder, basically. We're in a happy economic time, which might be nervous for some people who are running companies, (laughs) but I still struggle with sales. For me, it's the for me, not against you. It's this idea of 
we're all tired. And so to hear someone tell you, this is the time that you have to keep doing more. It's not us up in our ivory tower saying, well, this is what you have to do. We're all, I guess, going against the current to make this happen. But what a lot of us have seen is this opportunity that this brings because you don't have another choice. This is the real difference between someone who owns a business and someone who doesn't. As a business owner, you don't have a choice. And to even think you do have a choice is the problem. And this is my point with business owners. You can't go and get another job. In your mind, you cannot go and get another job. What is your stop loss? A lot of the time, stop loss is rock bottom because you're yeah. never, ever going to give up. For the people listening to this who you, but most of you do own businesses, when times are tough, you know that you don't have another option. And I'm not talking financial, I'm not talking mental. I'm saying that your business is everything that you put your heart and soul into. You're the people that when you listen to this, as much as you hate it, there's that something in you that goes, yeah, I know what you're saying is right. And I know that tomorrow I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to make that call because I do not have another choice. This is who I am. I'm hoping everyone is listening to a podcast called Backable. You basically want to get rid of the mindset of you have a choice. You have a choice is deciding whether your business is going to work. If you've got a plan for your business, all that's happened is the conditions have changed. Adjust. It's fine if you ask the question, but I don't know what to do. Great. Now we're in solution mode. But to even think about whether I should adjust, you're actually deciding whether you should continue your business. You have to keep evaluating where I need to pivot, where I need to change, where I need to put more energy, not just now. It's just business in general. And maybe that's a caveat that Backable kind of has to jump off from is that our assumption is you're in it. Our assumption is that you will do whatever it takes to make this grow. So we're in the middle of a downturn. We're in the middle of a pandemic. How are you going to sell? Not I feel bad selling. That's not even your decision. No. The way I wake up every morning is I need to protect my current clients and my future clients from every other douche that can't do as good a job as what my company can for them in this part of their life. And so I am always battling to protect my current and future clients for making the wrong decision by working with someone other than me. Now, how arrogant does that sound? But that is the base level thought I have every time. And it's why I also demand high standards internally in my company because we're always battling. We're battling to make it better for the clients. We're battling to get better results. We're battling to innovate and stay ahead. It's always a battle. The only difference now is we've got a bit of an economic change that we have to adjust to. If you're running a company and you're, particularly if you're sub 10 mil, you should always feel like you're under fire. You should always feel like you're number two. You should always have that hunger to find a better way of doing things and be better. If you don't have that, I question whether you should be the person running that company then. It won't work if you don't have the desire. And we've learnt this the hard way. What we've built, what we've purposefully pulled down, if you can't see that your business is something that adds value to someone, of course you're not going to want to sell it. Yeah, and unfortunately it's an amateur mindset. You need to step up and say, I am determined to create the best of this in the world and get it to as many people as I possibly can. Now, your world might be your community. Don't get me wrong. You don't all have to build global organizations, but you need to say, I'm going to be the best in my zip code, suburb, 
wherever you're listening because it's really nice to see some of the listeners, Nigel, coming from overseas. <laughs> Such a fun thing seeing the graph light up with listeners. <laughs> Hello to everyone around the world. But you have to decide what are you going to own? Where are you going to be the mayor of that point in your life? If you're the best cafe in the suburb, be the best cafe in the suburb. Don't be average. If you're going to be the best in a demographic, be the best in that. And when we start thinking of that, just have a little check of what hasn't happened. You haven't worried about economic conditions. You started to worry about how do you take over what you want to take over because you believe you can be better than anyone in that space. So the sales becomes irrelevant. You just have to do that as a byproduct of being the best in that. A lot of people that have belief in their product, and I see this a lot in those more soft kind of services like therapy and those kind of oh, things. I thought you were going to say like marshmallows. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say yeah. like digital. Yeah. So <laughs> like, let's say not quantitative <laughs> yeah. services. They have a belief that what they do adds immense value, but on the other side of it, there's almost this feeling of feeling bad for charging for that service. I've seen a number of people going, I know what I do is great, but I don't want to take money from someone for it. There's a guilt about it, which is slowing the sales process down. No worries. Just send that person to me. (laughs) I'll take it. If you don't feel you should charge for what you do, great. That's probably your worth. It's as simple as that. You have to decide as a company where you fit and what you need to charge to deliver that result, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, everything that comes with dealing with you as a business. You have to decide that. The idea of feeling bad charging is more your relationship with money and your judgment against other people. And this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier, which is your socioeconomic upbringing has probably conditioned you in a lot of ways in which you relate to money. Let's jump into that because we've known each other for quite a long time. We both come from working class families. Have you always, in your opinion, had a good relationship with money? I would say that I came from a very hardworking family and the relationship with money is work hard and get money, but there was never any judgments. I came from a try things type of environment, so I was lucky. Lana laughs. Try everything because you are so fabulous it will be successful type family. (laughs) Yeah, and there's probably a reason that we're here trying to, let me share my thoughts with the world. I think there's probably some, I'm sure a psychiatrist can probably dissect it better than I can from self-analysis. However, some of the things that we need to understand is I think the first thing if we come from a type of socioeconomic background is money's difficult to get. And the reason is many people that came from these backgrounds potentially had parents that were working for someone. When you're working for someone, a lot of the time you're capped by hours or you're capped by a wage. And the only way to get ahead is using your capped earning potential and investing. But that's not really something taught in environments like that. There's nothing wrong with having a job, by the way. (laughs) If there was, I'd have trouble with my companies because we have no one working for them. So we need people who want to work for companies. What the person working for a company has to work out is, how am I going to use my revenue, I'm going to say, but income to generate what I need in life? I didn't come from those backgrounds. It wasn't discussions around investments. It was more, you know, a couple of times, oh, we should invest in stocks, but really it's more around, should we gamble because we heard something was good? So there was no any sort of sophistication of building wealth. If we've come from an environment like that where you haven't had conditioning around how to build wealth, you're going to do the same things, which is you shouldn't be able to charge that much or you're making too much from that product. What even is that commentary on you're making too much or I couldn't charge that much? Why not? So you're not talking about socioeconomic status though. You're talking about financial education. 
absolutely talking about financial education because even people that have means doesn't mean they're financially educated. They may have come from families that have had money passed down from generations, but you can see them, they don't know what to do with it. They just do the same things the last generation did. They might have a couple of investment properties and they live off that. They're not actually progressing it. Every person should try and educate themselves on how to make their money work for them outside their core asset being their business. But when we're talking about our responsibility right now, which is to sell to people, how do we actually calibrate our relationship with money? And most people say, I've got no problem giving as much as possible. That's absolute rubbish because you see all the lottery winners. You give $10 million to someone who doesn't know how to manage money and they're statistically in more debt in a decade's time than they were before they won it. Also, statistically, they're much more unhappy than they were because it gave them a taste of something that they thought they wanted, but then due to mismanagement, they lost it. And so it actually makes them end up unhappier than where they were before they had what they thought that they wanted. Yeah, and it's not particularly money is the sole thing. We're talking about how you value things, really. And this is the, the whole idea, which is particularly in smaller companies, when they start to hire senior people, they try and work out, how do I value that person? They're getting paid more than me in some instances. When you're growing a company, you might have employees earning more than you every year and you're trying to value, but they don't seem to do as much as I'm doing. You've got to recalibrate your whole value system in order to grow a big company. You actually have to start understanding what value and real value is. And this is that whole process in the sales process is valuing what you do at the right level. The challenge comes if you've been dealing with others that don't value your business the same way. You might have to completely change the type of customer you're selling to because it doesn't matter if you're selling Ferraris. If you're selling to people who can't afford one, it doesn't mean you don't have a good product. It means you just don't have the right market. And maybe part of this whole economic downturn is where do we fit and how do we charge and all these sort of things that go into still selling your solution. With clients that we've worked with, one of the big conversations that happen, particularly as people start to break through some wealth barriers, is them calibrating having more than they ever thought they would personally. More than they would personally or more than their parents had before them? Yeah, and it's been a really difficult one for us to calibrate with some people because honestly, they came up with the idea that most rich people are evil. And because they've come from backgrounds where they've had this drilled into them, the only way to make a lot of money is by ripping people off. Taking Taking, advantage of somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Taking advantage is look at all the people they employ and don't pay as much. Not these people have created a thousand jobs and there wouldn't have been jobs there. And this is the balance because it doesn't matter how you have this conversation, there's always people who are going to believe it from their viewpoint of the world and and how it is. But in terms of a leader of a company, you can't harbor guilt around being successful. Your job is to create a robust company that can employ more people, create more economic activity, and frankly, support your communities better. Even these massive companies, and we've seen in the news that are avoiding tax through different loopholes and research and development and all the things that they can do to pay minimal tax. There's a reason that the government is not chasing them as robustly as they would because they understand the economic impact that these companies are making for their economies. So they're getting a lot of the things that they would have got through taxation in other ways. 
I'm not saying it's good or bad, by the way. I'm just saying understanding your role as a business leader is to do everything you can to create as much economic activity as you can and giving everyone an opportunity to work, work well, be paid well. Because when you get that right and you scale your business, you hopefully are going to earn a hell of a lot of money and personal wealth. That sometimes needs to be calibrated in the owner well before it happens because on a subconscious level, they're stopping themselves being successful. And Lana, we've spoken about this a lot, which is we used to undercharge for our services by a huge amount because we thought it was fair, not what the market would pay. I have to say, when you said, if you're undercharging, send them my way, I did have a bit of a giggle. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? It's nothing new. We've said this on many a podcast. The digital agency started by charging $125 a week to do everything social media, copy, content, posting, community management. For me personally, the calibration is seeing how badly people want to use you and your services. And when you put your price up just a little bit, they gain a bit more respect because obviously the quality is there. But we lost out on so many clients because we were too cheap. And so how could you be good if you were too cheap? Don't get me wrong. If you're a cheap provider, that's okay. That's a market position. But for us, we weren't trying to be that provider. We were creating a high value service and trying to be cheap, which you don't need an MBA to work at. That doesn't work unless you're a massive company. So Netflix and some of these are examples of really low cost to access something of extremely high value. And they're also a, um, a software as the service who have now moved into creating their own product. It's not really the realm of a small business that doesn't have funding. No. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, what you find is you're doing a lot of work for not much benefit. I guess to jump back to the original question is, yes, we recalibrated most likely because we realised that making money or not making money, everyone still had a judgement. Everyone still had an opinion on the business. Everyone still had an opinion on what we were doing. And so the recalibration was you may as well do what you think is right. If you're making money or not making money, people are still going to have an opinion. This judgement something we probably need to discuss because I think a lot of the time that actually slows people down in probably – I should say in Australia, for those of you who are listening in, to, in America and, and some places in Europe, so one of the things I absolutely love about those countries and working with people from those countries is they feel obliged to sell. People actually celebrate others going for it. In Australia, we don't have that. What we have here is just do everything with a bit of humility. Don't tell anyone about it. Try not to self-promote. It's called tall poppy syndrome that if you get too high, people will try and drag you back down. As an entrepreneur, it actually is one of the things that frustrates me a lot because we should be celebrating people trying to create jobs, innovate and do all these things. They should be celebrated. This judgment around starting to become successful and being worried about it, and it happens at every level, by the way. We need to talk about it because particularly since we've been doing things like this and getting a more public image, you start to get people wanting to give their two cents in. And this is the thing that we all need to think about, which is where are you hiding in your business because you're worried about the judgment? Where are you not asking for the opportunity because you're worried about the rejection? Where are you worried about being embarrassed where you should be just going for it? An experience that we had, which ties directly into this around the feeling of judgment. Now, thankfully, this judgment went in our favor, but still has a point. When Tim and I were over in New York, October last year, so when we could all still travel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 40 years ago, yes, as I remember it. (laughs) Um, We were looking at 
the business opportunities over there. And we were introduced to eight or nine people. And how we were introduced was Tim and Alana have very successful businesses and they did it all themselves. And the judgment that we came across in our favour was almost this idea of it having been given to someone is less than having done it themselves. And because America does have this quite exciting, just go for it and see what happens approach, us coming into this market and thankfully having kindness around us to be introduced, the judgment that we got was, yes, but they've done it themselves, so that's better. That's something that you should meet or buy into. Either way, you're still going to get money. Whether or not you did it yourself or in our case, we built it up on our back end, it still was a very interesting judgment that because of the judgment, would you not go for it? Would you not take the next step to build your business? That's where judgment to me is always interesting. Just because someone has an opinion doesn't mean it's the right opinion for your next step. Off the back of what Lana's saying, there is another type of entrepreneur that thinks they're ready to have every conversation and they're ready for a big opportunity and they're so immature in their thinking that they get found out quickly. And so the balance is listening to the judgment and taking on what works and what doesn't. But if you're someone who goes, I'm just going to kick down every door until I get it, social media being the perfect place. 99% of it is people faking it till they're making it. They're going to be faking it until they have to change because nothing's working. That fake it till you make it is a bit of a war cry for laziness, I think. Instead of actually practically improving my business and finding a market fit and getting results, I'll keep saying and doing things and pretending in the hope that I get that magical unicorn opportunity because everyone thinks I'm successful and when I get that opportunity, I'll just do it. But the reality is even the thought process of thinking that's your strategy shows that you're not ready to take the opportunity. This whole fake it till you make it is fine in terms of brand, just putting yourself out there. That should be highly respected because you're at least putting yourself front and center saying, I want the opportunity. And that's not really faking it, that's polishing. But people are there pretending. Like The fact that you can hire a plane and get pictures for Instagram shows that there's a lot of things that aren't true (laughs) and no one's going to convince me otherwise. The fact that I know that people go out there and take pictures for Instagram and hire a plane by the hour. On a private jet. On a private jet. There is this whole new type of entrepreneur, which I'd call a social entrepreneur, that is trying to build a self-brand and then worry about the business and how to commercialize it. And by the way, that can work. Listen, I look at Kardashians and I'm going to sit there and saying they're the scholars of our generation. And it's not a judgment on them because I think they are elite in a different type of entrepreneurism. I couldn't respect them more in terms of how they understand human psyche and interest. How do you turn the whole world into a soap opera? Unbelievable. They've gone to the next level. I'm a massive fan because anyone who's taken something to that extreme and been able to do that on a global scale, there's something there they see that no one else does. And the fact, even if others see it, they will manage to do it. And I'm just going to assume here that you have absolutely no idea about the information about them. You just know about the process. No idea. Yeah. Never watched one of their shows. But the fact- <laughs> don't backtrack now, buddy. <laughs> no, but as much as anyone would know and understand, but you start looking at these type of people of putting themselves there and then creating this audience and then commercializing to their audience. So that's still a very valuable way to grow a brand, a self brand. And they do not care about opinion of no, others. No, they, they do. They just care about people having it, not what it actually means, <laughs> because that's actually what they're after. It's like a media outlet. What I need is people engaging in this content. And then I'll work out how to commercialize. That's why they've been highly, highly successful. Where other people who are trying to do that is not necessarily the best entrepreneurial 
way forward because you should start actually developing what am I going to do from a commercial side? So unless you're planning on becoming that personal brand and then commercializing, what does your business actually need to do? And where are you not putting your business in the way of opportunity right now? And that's a big challenge for a lot of us. And I think within that, it's almost about picking the opinions that you are going to listen to. I always say, don't listen to your mother's opinion on your business because they will think that your business is fabulous. They will think that you're working too hard or they will think that you are the next big thing. Really nice opinion emotionally, but probably not the opinion you should listen to for whether or not you should take the next step. What are you worried about with the judgment? Are you worried because you deep down know that you're not ready or that what you're saying is actually not true? So would you be found out by scratching at the surface? I don't want to go into imposter syndrome because I think that's another one of those very nice labels that others can use on why they're not taking action. We've got a lot of podcasts, Nigel. You just keep writing these <laughs> topics down. But this whole idea of why am I afraid of judgment and whose judgment do I actually value? We've had to come to the sort of realization that no one's opinion really matters. And that's the reality of it, unless we need something from them. And then it's cross-checking, hey, we really wanted to do this for our business. We've spoken to people that we want to do business with. They're not as keen as we are. So why? And then calibrating that against our vision and plan, not worried about people judging us, not worried about people giving it a public opinion on um, Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. It's so irrelevant. People think everyone's got a value to their opinion and they do, but I don't have to accept it. A lot of us get so worried because someone they've never met makes a comment on a social media channel about a business they've never done business with. Who cares? There's no value. You don't have to give people value in their opinions. That's another idea that we've brought up through our upbringing, which is you should respect everyone's opinion. I don't agree with that at all. This person's gone out of their way to make a comment on something they know nothing about. Why should I have any respect when they've got no context or I've met them? Yet others read through and take that idea and then run it through all their filters. Maybe they're right. And they're spending all this time worried about someone they're never going to meet on their idea, on their business that they've never had anything to do with. Judgment's coming in your life at some stage. Every single day. (laughs) Every single interaction. (laughs) If you're going to get any level of success that you're servicing more people, you're going to get more judgment. It's just the way it is. Maybe your job as a leader is to welcome that judgment. Might mean that you're actually starting to get some exposure. It's difficult in our country, I think, because we're not big on it. But for smaller business owners, not small as in revenue, as in wanting to take the next step, it's even things like, should I nominate my business for an award? Where others will go, I'll just wait for someone to nominate me. And others go, I'll nominate myself. Now, are we judging someone for tooting their own horn? Are we judging someone for being arrogant? Or are we respecting them for? good on you. You know, you believe in your business and the people that do the hard work. Why shouldn't you go for an award? I respect the person nominating themselves well and truly ahead of the person who's waiting for someone else to nominate them because they're actually proud of what they're doing. I think it's a great place to start. So just on the the judgment side of things, some people publicly, larger businesses, have made incredible increases in wealth during this period. And we're talking billions of dollars. And the immediate reaction of people around me was they shouldn't be earning that much. They're judging one piece of the puzzle or one piece of information, not seeing the flow on effect of what that means to the economy, to people that are being employed, 
to production lines, all those kind of things. It happens a lot. I think it's a common thing and it's, again, it's that whole thing of why are people having an opinion now of those who are making money? But are they saying the same things 12 months ago when others were making different money in different industries or times? Were they saying the same thing when there was a tech boom? They're saying the same thing when there was a industrial revolution. It's always the same thing. It's always people making commentary. It's always going to be that way. I laugh because one of the things that makes me feel most uncomfortable in business is feeling like a spectator and not a player. When you're sitting there watching others do things, I hate that. I used to love playing sport, but I hate watching it. I hate it. I don't like watching others do it because I want to be playing. And you got to remember when people are standing there giving opinions on things like that, they're the spectators. Who wants to be in that game? When I have conversations like that, I go, that is absolutely correct. What you've reminded me is I need to move seats. I need to be around, away from that energy. I need to be away from, I guess, smaller discussions about things that I just don't think are relevant right now. It's not that it's not an interesting discussion, by the way. You know, you can have conversations with people that are interesting. But if there's judgment around people who are being successful in business, you've got to ask yourself, why out of all the things that they could be focused on, are they focused on that? Not what that company's doing for the community, for society, for jobs, for keeping the economic engine running. And then when you start to have conversations like that and they literally don't understand it, you realize this is the wrong conversation to be in. I think protecting yourself as a leader of a company from low-level conversations is important. Ignoring judgment is sometimes around ignoring people. I honestly believe that. There are some people you don't want to hang around with while they calibrate their journey or they haven't had the experiences you've had. Maybe you understand business a little bit differently because of the experiences you've had. Maybe you celebrate businesses that have done really well because you realize what it would have taken to get there. It's really important that you calibrate the voices that get to penetrate your head. And so that was just my point before with the be careful who you take judgment or opinion from. Judgment has almost a negative connotation to. Opinion, everyone's entitled to it. But why is it that we choose to believe the negative opinions as opposed to, and I'd say Tim and I are a good example of this. We're very much supporters of each other. Doesn't mean we agree. My opinion of something he does and his opinion of something I do, it might not always be nice in talking marks, but it's the opinion that comes from the place of, I want you to get the best I want you to be the best and I want you to do the best. So if your opinion of me is negative in talking marks or if you tell me that I did something not to the best of my ability, well, that's an opinion that I'll listen to even if it hurts or even if it takes me down a peg because that's the opinion that gets me to the end goal. Yeah, that circle of advisors that you have, that's who you let in. And even then, you'll potentially outgrow advisors, by the way starting to work out from your leadership and who you are as a business person to work out what do I need right now? Not necessarily what you want to hear. What do you need right now? And how do I use that until it doesn't become useful anymore? We had a good one the other day, Nigel, which was, I forget who I was talking to, but it was someone who was talking about them being upset because a person had come to them for advice and mentoring and a year later they'd left. And they'd left because this person had outgrown them. And they felt used. And then you realize it's not really a great mentor because what they actually wanted was that person to keep them up on a pedestal as a guru. You start to realize what do those people need and what do they want? Life is a transition. Business is a transition. People who were in your business yesterday that were brilliant may not have a role tomorrow. It's the same with you as the owner. 
you might have been brilliant to get from zero to wherever, but now the business is outgrowing you. If you can calibrate that and you can really understand where you are, you become very, very strong. It doesn't mean it's not your business. It means you're constantly putting things to accelerate it quicker. But for the sake of right now, we have to get back to what is my role as the leader in this economic time? And your role is to continue to push your business forward, doing whatever it takes to do that. And if that is finding other ways to sell, if that's creating new ways to sell, if that's changing who you're listening to, if that's shielding yourself from negative opinions, if that's shielding yourself for things that bring you down, then that's what you have to do. But remember, we're only listening to this because we're not trying to be average. We're trying to be people and businesses that are absolutely backable. To do that, you have to do things that others won't. Particularly in times like these, you're going to be the one that really stands out. Lana and Nigel, good to chat. Do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week, team, and thank you for listening. As always, you can head on over to backable.ai and access all the downloadables we've put together. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and if you have a minute, please leave a review. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, why not join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. That's all from us for now. Have a great week, and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.